Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All things in the name of love. With your host, Dr. Erica Riesberg. Music performed and written by Megan Moreau. Can you help me redefine truth and preservation of our soul shine? I can feel it, yours and mine. Close your eyes and witness it inside. In your bones, you will know. Trust and let go. Episode 59, Living from the Inside with Jacob Cooper. Jacob Cooper is a world-renowned public speaker on the afterlife. Through his profound near-death experience, he empowers others through exploring answering the mystery about life on the other side of the veil and the eternal nature of consciousness. He provides individual sessions in his office and in workshops. Additionally, he facilitates meditation sessions and workshops throughout the country. He provides private counseling therapy sessions to clients in his office or over the phone. Jacob is a licensed clinical social worker, certified Reiki master, and certified hypnotherapist with a specialization in past life regression therapy. He is currently writing a book on lessons from the light form, his NDA, with his agent, William Gladstone, and Waterside Press Productions. Jacob, it is such an honor to have you on the show. I am just thrilled that we have an opportunity to connect in these really fascinating times that we're living in. It's, it's an honor to be here, uh, Dr. Erica. Or do you like to be called Erica or Dr. Erica? Whichever feels more aligned for you to call me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I, I'm just so blessed to be on your wonderful program. I've Thank heard you. endless praise about it. I know my friend, Dr. Sharon Prentice, you know, speaks of you to the moon and back. So it is a blessing to be here with you during these uh, historic, pivotal, you know, moments in history. Yeah, we were talking a little bit beforehand about um, the importance of feeling into the illusion of separation, which I think is coming up in our society at the moment. And you made this beautiful point in their conversation about how we're all feeling right now. And and I want to go into that with you because I think it's an important space to start with. Yeah, you know, I I know earlier we were talking a little bit about yourself and how it seems like you're very empathic. And and I think it's such such a fitting program in time, you know, to be empathic because really what I'm recognizing with the current state of affairs, as you've seen, unless you've been living under the rock, I know right now the events in Minnesota that are getting really globalized are one person that was brutally murdered, but that triggers centuries uh, of this form of, of abuse, mistreatment. And I think for the entire world to stand up to it and say, no, whatever race you are, really kind of shows that there's one human body happening where it's not that if it happens to my family, if it happens to my door, then it's a problem. If it happens in Minnesota, it is felt in Holland. It is felt throughout the world. And that's what we're noticing. One nine-minute horrific incident is causing a ripple effect 
And so there's many ways to look at it. People could get into such uproar and seeing all these buildings being and, and looting and all that stuff, or they could see these are these are individuals that are hurt. They they mm-hmm. want to be heard. What we're seeing right now needs to be looked at beyond the behavior, beyond the actions. And this is a deep pain that needs compassion. And, and so much like when you see a, a kid who's crying, we don't just punish the kid. We have some time to listen and it must feel like a very dark place. And I think right now to create this whole oneness that everyone talks about, it doesn't just mean that if I make it and if I'm good, then then that's all that matters. Right. I think what's important is the pain of yours is is my pain. And that kind of ties in with this pandemic. I think things are just becoming so globalized where you could kind of partialize where if something was happening in another country, you'd be like, oh, it's 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 othered. It's not me. It's not happening under my own roof. So it's, I, I feel for that person, I'm empathetic, but it's not happening to me. So I, I, I feel for you, but I'm not there. And now we're all, this is one storm. Obviously, everyone's in a different boat with this whole COVID-19 pandemic, but it's the first time it, it, in, your, in your, your history, Buff, you probably know this, but first time since almost like the Spanish flu that we've seen something of this size mm-hmm. impacting us. And the one common denominator is the human body. And I think we almost needed that to remind us that we are a lot more aligned than before. And, uh, you know, I think that unity is is needed ever more so. And I think Mm -hmm. you could say what you want about protesters and the violations of social distancing right now, but at least there's unity. Mm -hmm. And that goes, that really coincides with, I know, with the work that you're trying to do with, which is being empathic and trying to create more unity in an awakened society. Yeah. there's, there's beauty if you look past a lot of the cries and there's beauty in being able to listen and being empathetic and having one family and no separation. Right. And that, that means that you can be different, right? You and I are different beings. However, we're connected. Yeah. And, and that's, that's part of why we're all feeling this, this trauma on a deeper level is because we're all in this more raw state, I feel mm-hmm. like we're capable, even people that aren't normally empathic are feeling more because they don't have the numbing of the movies. They don't have the numbings of the sports. They don't have, there's only so much CNN anyone can watch. So, or Fox News or whatever you're watching, there's only so much you can do and you're going to feel. And that feeling is creating uh, this opening. Oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and in psychotherapy, as, as a therapist, I'm noticing that there's a lot of judgment behind being an empath today, where a lot of people will say, if you're caring, if you use caution, if you use proper guidance, then you're fear-based, then you're anxiety-ridden. And so there's a stigmatization against being empathic, right? Right. There's a lot of judgment. And, and really, we could look at it as anxiety, or we could see that, that a lot of people today care past themselves, and they, mm-hmm. they look at another's potential harm as their own. Yeah. And I think that's what you're seeing a lot more now today with people taking proper precautions and deciding to go down those roads or just saying, you know what, I'm going to do whatever I want. I'm not going to listen to anyone. And, and that's where they're at. But I think right now for us to make it, we really have to look out for each other. Yeah. Um, and and we, we recognize how big of an impact, and this is nothing new, but it's put in our face, but how big of an impact we have on each other from every level. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a big responsibility to not be taken lightly. Right. And it's, it's especially in the United States, it's 
going from the individual, which has been the narrative for since we've been created, to the collective. And it's not saying that you can't be an individual, but you think of others. And that's new for us. Yeah. And I don't know if you've noticed this too, but I've noticed everyone's coming out of their shell a little bit, you know, through this whole thing, where it's like sometimes you just go home, put your blinders on and not really go out there or kind of pick your spots. And now you're seeing like celebrities and they don't have choices because they don't have their studios sometimes, but they're opening up their homes. They're getting more transparent. And there's almost like a sense of like, I don't care. We're not judging ourselves. What's important is living for today. And how do you want to live that day? Do we want to live that day pacing ourselves and saying, you know what, I'll do these things tomorrow. I'm going to have like a five or 10 year plan with what I do or saying, you know what, I need to be my best self today because I think what's happening right now, the sad reality and someone who had a near-death experience that we could get into a little bit later is yeah. we, I, I do believe the soul has a contract and it has different exit points. Mm-hmm. And some people might have an awareness of that. But the truth of the matter is we really just don't know when it's our time on average. Let's say Sylvia Brown and I, much respect, tried to predict her own passing and she was about 10 years or, earlier. And that's not to knock her, but that's just to tell you that everyone who has this psychic kind of bad thing is just, it's hard to predict your own life for yourself. Right. Uh, and so I think right now with the, the body being expeditely jeopardized with this virus, I think right now it's, it's having an ideology that we were supposed to have almost from day one, which is to not take life for granted, which is mm-hmm. to live every day the best way that we can, to not go on cruise control. And so I'm noticing a lot of parallels and other colleagues of mine, and I'm sure you could attest to this, within spiritual transformative experience, if that's a shared death experience like you had or an NDE like I had, where it's, 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 it's kind of like we're able to say, okay, there's a lot of parallels happening right here, right now in this juncture. Yeah. I'm, I feel like, because my, my um, clairsentient ability is yeah. like, I feel stuff really keenly and I sense things really well too. And my sense is that this feels like it's kicking up the dust of things we didn't, well, it's like with my own personal spiritual work and my clearing out of the wounds within me, I know I have stuff that I don't want to look at, like it's under the carpet dusted, you know what I mean? Like that kind of feeling. And it's like, it's coming out and not right now, I'm actually doing well, but I've had this in the past where I've had something that I don't want to admit is part of me. And I've had to look at it anyways. And then when I do, and I love it, I'm not scared of it anymore. Right. You know, it's, I think it's a lot of it, like, it's like a lot of global and, 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 you know, collective and individual shadow work that's happening, Mm -hmm. where it's kind of like with this great light and awakening that's happening. That's not always, sometimes you could judge it and say, oh, but there's so much heartbreak, there's so much this, there's so much that, but evolution is an ongoing process. And it's not always that picture that you see. It's evolving and it's shaping. And part of it, it takes different twists and turns. But either way, we're coming out of a world where there's a grief that's happening. We've never had this before. We're getting into this incubational period where we're trying to reevaluate things and we're observing things. And for some people, that could be very difficult and it's causing them to get agitated or Mm -hmm. depressed or irritable. But either way, I don't think we came here to pay the bills and to come home. We're not just a physical body. And so I think right now people are starting to experience 
a greater collective objectified understanding of what this is all about. And it's not so micro-focused anymore, Mm -hmm. where there's a lot of bigger picture orientations where taking that box that we were living in, in that playbook and just saying, you know what, let's try to rewrite it and look, reevaluate what I was looking at. And that's not, that's not a bad thing. A lot of people want that world back, but Wayne Dyer once said, I'd rather live 90 years in one year, 90 times. And, and so I think really for us, there's this, there's this uncertainty with this new normal, as cliche as that sounds, but that's to be embraced if we handle it the right way, because there's a potentiality of change and more compassion of more unity It's needed to evolve and really bring heaven down to earth. It feels it though, because like I know for a fact that one of the observations I've had is the animals and the plants are so happy that we're inside. Yeah. There's a lot of silver lining in this, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, oh, what have I done to... Because I'm pretty mindful, but I know I could be more mindful. So if they're celebrating, if, if what was it, two months ago, dolphins were swimming in Venice, if they just needed like a month for us to just vacate, what does it say about us that we need to reevaluate our impact on the world versus our interrelation with the world? Oh, yeah. I think that's really the one silver lining in this is we're really recognizing a much bigger picture of what this is and not just to each other, but to the health of the Mother Earth. Because as bad as this was, the rate at which we were going at, who knows if there would still be a place to live here. And so, and that's just pure science. I, I really think it's the Earth is getting a cleansing it's getting a breather. It's getting a much needed break. I don't know about you, but I'm looking at, at least here in New York, the skies are looking much clearer, mm-hmm. you know, from the air traffic reduction. We're able to actually see cities in Los Angeles. You could see the skyline. New York City you could see it. Parts out in Asia, you could see mountain ranges like the Himalayas, I think, from a certain mm-hmm. distance that you weren't able to see. So the world is getting back to health. It's, it's restoring. It's cleansing. I just hope that we don't try to compensate and go a thousand miles an hour once things go back to to make up for lost profit and time. And but I I think really we're here for a spiritual existence, for the spiritual to really be into the material. And you know, those two can't be at war. They have to work with each other. And I think really the rat race material was winning for quite some time. Yeah. And I think right now this period hopefully awakens another part of ourselves that needs to be addressed interconnected, eternal, spiritual part, not this transactional, selfish, greedy, material world that we were in, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, so. I definitely feel it. Like with my own with my own life, I've gone from, oh, I need these things to, no, I actually just need this. Everything else is kind of super, like my whole shopping patterns and my understanding of what I need has completely shifted and it feels really good. Well, absolutely. And I, I noticed that a lot of people who are very connected, they tend to be that way, where, like I said before, same storm, but everyone's in a different boat. So something like this, when we're quarantined, and, it, and it's different, because some people have lost family members through this, or friends. And so yeah. this whole thing isn't different. But on average, the people who are well-connected are able to be a lot more self-sufficient, uh, because they are unashamedly dependent on the light. They're not dependent on linear temporary satisfactions of the body of the ego. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know if you've noticed this, but whenever I've been very well connected, I don't need as much food or Mm -hmm. all these other things because my cup is full. I'm 
connected. I'm a solar being connected to the solar energy running through me. Mm -hmm. But once I'm really blocked, that's when I start chasing all these outside stuff. Yeah. Hopefully people right now will be a lot more independent and less dependent on the material. And that way we could stop abusing it and and allowing it to work through us and to really get to the reality of who and what we are, what we're always connected to. So, And that's a beautiful segue to What's coming in is the next question is, who are we really? Who are we? That's, that's a question that so many people will ask. Mm-hmm. But we will give many times a convenient, simple answer. We'll give a name. We'll give a place where we're from. We'll give our job. And so there's a lot of superficiality that's associated with that, with that question. Mm-hmm. No, and, and that's a very scary part to be able to define not not what do we do, what do we eat, where do we live, but at our core, who and what are we? Mm-hmm. And I think that that kind of question has been there's a lot of false inherited belief systems throughout grade school where we'd have all these identities based on cliques, based on our grade scores. And so there's a lot of unconditional viewpoints towards ourselves. And that's a contradiction of what we are, which is from what you had and what I had is, is so much more than we could ever process or put into a descriptive word. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we're constantly self-evaluating that based on temporary play-by-play moments. Mm-hmm. So it's such a fleeting form of identity that it's no wonder people are asking that number one question. What's my soul's purpose, right? What what am I here to do? And that's and that's a big one. Yeah. Um, how could I help people? Um, and so I think so much of it is is the more connected we are, less the kind of we stop at you know asking and doubting, and the more that we're able to be in flow consciousness yep. and trust that which what we are and we're forever connected to. So oh yeah, I, I know like the past, especially the past week. I have been so uninterested in food because I'm feeling so much energy flowing through me. And I'm just in a state of being. Mm-hmm. And or flow or however, like it's just I am. And so what I do is because my ego isn't really pushing that insecurity, which is what ego does, is it's like, okay, what's my next step? It's showing up. What is the next highest step I can take towards my fuller alignment? Whatever that is, using the skills I've been given. And then I don't have to like go through the process of that self-doubt, the the questioning, because I just am. Right. And does a mountain question the rains of clouds above it? Do the waves question the patterns of uh, uh, tides? You know, I think... There was a saying by Carl Rogers, who once said that every person is like a sunset, and we were to sit back and just watch that sunset unfold as it is. Mm-hmm. And so as a psychotherapist, that's what I try to do. From a very young age, I, would, I came from a world where there was judgment, where this person was this, and that was who they are, and they were boxed into this identity. And as a child, I was like, well, that's your experience, but that's not mine. And so from a young kid, I was very much open. And so I, I recognized when I would carry that analytical framework in this, in this judgment, I would carry that perception. But when I would sit back 
and try to join that person and look up and not down and try to learn and try to unify the energy, I found that I was quite in synergy and in awe with, with that person's beauty. And so I think really a lot of it is how would we want God to be towards us? And that's the kind of life that we are. How we look at ourselves, how we look at others, would we want God to be that way? Would we want God to, to judge? And it's, it's a hard area because there's, there's violations, there's crimes, there's hatred, there's anger, there's all these things. But those are, those are what's happening on the surface. Mm-hmm. I think underneath that is a great cry and a great pain and a great separation from the light, from the truth. And that, to me, is hell if there was ever yeah. such a thing. And I don't have to love what people do, but I love what they are at their core. Mm-hmm. And my job as a therapist is try to, to learn how to embrace their trials and tribulations, how to not judge, but how to always re-remember their unlimited, unconditional love that they are and how really they could always come back to home whenever they want to. I think as a society, we're not taught that. We're taught from the material world, it's for a select few success. To be on top of the pedestal is for the Hollywood elite or the, the authors and publishing companies. And those people deserve it. But me, I don't deserve it until I get X, X, and X. Mm-hmm. But then we continue to chase and then we're never satisfied. It's, it's a continual empty existence. So I think really it's, it's recognizing that we are worthy. We are love. We, are, we can never be separated from that. And I think that that's our job to remind ourselves of that. And the way that we see ourselves, we'll begin to see each other. But when there's unconditional acceptance towards ourselves then there's judgment towards another, then there's preferences and there's separation from all that that doesn't meet that criteria. Because that's how we see ourselves as a judge, as a forever checklist of approval that meets our box. It's interesting because when I started bringing awareness into judgment, I started noticing that I was painting myself because I was creating separation and it felt icky. Like it was just like this, I don't know, like some, like a slug climbing on me or something like that kind of a feeling of ickiness. And it was like, oh, wait a minute. I have judgment against that person. What's within me that makes me think that I can judge them. And that's, that's constantly unfolding. And it's gone from a, like me judging myself for having the judgment to a, huh, I wonder what this is that triggered that so that I can show up more fully as the loving divine being that I am within for myself and then that person, because if I'm triggered by that person, there's something within me that is a wound. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of actors and actresses in this illusion of this lifetime, all representing, you know, different parts. And so if you do believe in oneness, then each person represents a part of ourselves. And so I think the people that most disgust ourselves, we have those parts in us that we don't like, you know, not to get into specifics, but they, they're always out there. And sometimes we look at people who are angry or selfish or, or, or jealous or, or, or sociopathic. And it's that animal part of ourselves that we have at times that, that we don't like. And so, but also I, I, I'm thankful in a way because we're here to learn. And so some people are, are teachers and what to do, and some people are teachers and what not to do. Learning is not a linear straight path. Right. It's 
many times a process of elimination. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think really, you know, generations evolve from things that they pick up about others that they like and things that they say, you know what, I was given this, I could continue to recreate this or I could take it and make it and develop it more. And that's the hope. Sadly, today within America, there's, there's things that are happening that haven't changed for centuries as we saw right. a week ago. But what we are seeing is the zero tolerance policy on a global basis. Which is you know, needed. You know, and, and, and one person's pain becomes the cry and the suffering, the empathy, and not just saying, oh, that's horrible, but I'm going to turn on the TV. It's, it's saying, what could I do? What could I learn from this? How could I learn from this? You know, why is this happening? So I think that's very important for us to say, not what is happening, but what is this teaching me? Mm -hmm. What am I, what am I, what could I learn from this? Yeah. So the happening part is always kind of ugly at times because it's out of our control. Right. But the teaching me allows us to really make something out of a, out of a, out of a horrible situation mm -hmm. at the time. Yeah. How did your NDE broaden your perspective about humanity? Well, you know, the book really tells a lot more than narrative. I kind of feel sometimes as a wind up doll when I go on these podcasts, just like saying it again and again. And okay. It's no, no, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, no, I'm not saying, no, not at all. But I, 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 that's such a wonderful question that you asked because for me, I'm really focused, yes, and what happened. But like I said, more like what I was talking about, not exactly what happened, but what I learned. That really has made the experience a lot more personalized. Yeah. So I thank you for bringing that up because most times I'm on podcasts and that's the first question and people love hearing that and I love saying it. But I'm, as I'm evolving as a teacher, really focused more on not necessarily what happened, but what did I learn? Yeah. And I think that should be the same way for us all. We were abused. We were distrayed. We were that. But mm -hmm. we're continuing to relive that. Right. We're not extracting it and creating something anew. Right. Then why there there was not much purpose from that pain. It was just suffering recycled. Mm -hmm. It didn't evolve from its potential. And so the one thing that I learned is is to be to my own drum. I had my experience at the age of three, at the infant stage. Wow. Um, you know, and it's something that I remember every day. Okay. Um, at times in my life I would be like a if you take a beach ball and try to put it under the water. Mm -hmm. And that's what I tried to do with my NDE, where in order for myself to almost survive, I had to just bury this because I was in that other side realm. I was on the other side so much and I wasn't in this body um, and I was quite spacey and I wasn't able to really have the same brain from having you know, suffocation and trauma to my brain than average. And so I lived in the world that was quick fast-paced analytical and I was a struggling student mm. and, and so for me I, I had to like retrain my brain to be more left brain balanced mm -hmm. get past school once school kind of high school ended and college began that's when my brain was able to be a lot more free and breathe a lot easier from less of the regurgitory factorial pace of uh, high school or elementary school middle school education but the biggest thing I learned is is, is, is to listen to what's inside and to be empowered. Uh, yeah. Because from a young age, we're looked at not as our consciousness, but we're looked at as synonymous with our physical body. Mm -hmm. And so the world was looking at it when I was three-year-olds as a kid who knew nothing. 
Right. Um, Cause that's my age, you know, but right. if, if you do believe your body, I could understand that. But if you're not your body, then you're talking to someone who's had hundreds of these three-year-old bodies and eight-year-old bodies. And so we're an ageless, timeless soul. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I learned is not to listen to the material outside world, but to listen to the soul and listen to what's right and to go with an inner world to live life inside out versus outside in. Because mm-hmm. it's so critical. We, we get conditioned into thinking that the material world is what's real. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think that's really causing a lot of irritation right now where the world that we had is no longer what it was. Mm-hmm. And so once that rug is pulled, people could either go into a frenzy and freak out and get irritable, or they could be like Christ said, which is to stand on a stable foundation versus sand. And I think right now we have to reevaluate what was it that I was standing on that was my home, was my identity? Was it a temporary sand or was it an eternal foundation of rock and stone? And so I think really right now people are reevaluating, was it that I was standing on? What was my foundation? Mm-hmm. Was it someone else's? Was it temporary or was it meaningful and eternal? Mm-hmm. Because it, it's a fascinating process to realize that you're more than what you perceive you to be. Yeah, yeah. And when you realize that the material is meant to compliment you, but it's not you, then your perspective shifts on, well, this stuff is really cool, but do I really need it? And what does my soul need to feel that greater comfort? And then it becomes, a the word quest just came in, but a quest to find out what is within me that is home. Yes, yes. And I think within this world, we look at many times the afterlife as a place that we have to wait for or that is a is a reward system or is a is a judgment or god and man's image so to speak and and basically how we lived on this world on those kind of rules and regulations and not something different but in reality i don't believe we're here to bring heaven and earth we're here to really remember that we are heaven on earth mm-hmm. that we are not ever separated from heaven we're here to remember that we're always connected to the other side. And so I think within this temporary break from that in the physical body, within a lot of these, this darkness around us and blindness, I think that's the test. Uh, and so what does that practically mean? Because it sounds quite lofty to listeners. And so I think, for example, we're talking in the beginning, where to me, one thing that I, and you have experienced this, which is heaven or the other side. Mm-hmm. Is the other side a side that takes certain creeds, certain colors, certain religions? Are there different, different layers for those things? Were we born those things? Or were we were taught those things? Mm-hmm. So I think that's very much important. What were we born in our purest forms? And what did we inherit to formulate our identity? Mm-hmm. Because that is a temporary cloth, and it's not who we are. There's a Buddhist kind of saying is you have to burn away all the BS to get to the core truth. Yeah. And I think really this lifetime is very much about that is letting go a lot of these things. And if you're able to do that, you're able to connect to that beautiful diamond in the rough, that diamond inside that connects us to, to us all. But this lifetime's works is really 
not so much about finding a diamond outside or becoming the diamond, recognizing we are the diamond. We just, like Michelangelo would say, chip away at that masterpiece that's there. And so I think every day in every moment we are to do that. But heaven on earth is a consciousness that, that takes away all these temporary things and allows us to be the gatekeepers of our brothers and sisters within this experience so that their success is our success. And we create a world that doesn't just work for a select few, but that, but that works for all. And so for me, for an example, in today's world, I think we have to take away judgment. And in the past couple of years, I would never say this, but I think right now, I'm able to say this right now because time is not granted. And so that's what this year is about, 2020, is just owning your truth. I've noticed a cumulative disadvantage in almost targeting within my field in, in different socioeconomic populations. You know, and so they would go to certain communities that were higher end, that were wealthier, see psychic readings and all these other talks in these areas. But I would never see as much, you know, these people rolling up their sleeves and going into some of the more impoverished, more anxiety-ridden, more trauma-ridden, lower socioeconomic totem pole communities. And so as a psychotherapist, I work in a local mental health clinic in a lower income minority community where a lot of clients have various um, you know, disadvantages from every walk of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I try to give them the most, the most freedom that they can have, which is uh, the integration of mindfulness in their life and meditation, mm-hmm. and, to, and to take themselves out of the place of lacking and to, and to recognize that this life is very much about you know, filling that cup. Just as we see people who have it all and have it nothing, and, and people who have nothing and have it all, it's all really a state of mind. And so that's something that I've taken on myself where as a teacher, for instance, bringing heaven down to earth you know, isn't just catering to one demographic. It's looking at, if these are all my brothers and sisters, how come I'm just speaking to one or two brothers and not addressing the whole family mm-hmm. as much as I can? And so heaven on earth means something different to everyone. But I think a lot of it is what expression of, di- of the divinity do you want to be and how what is your impact? You know, what could you control? What could you manipulate to be able to create that ripple effect change in your immediate or indirect life? Mm-hmm. So hopefully that makes sense. It does make sense. And it's really beautiful. Yeah. But I don't know if you've seen that too, this, this association within this industry. And I don't know, if I look at presentations that I've had, I don't see diversity as much as right. I would like to. I don't see people who are from different lower, different minority groups. I just kind of see a similar kind of age category and that's right. great. But I think really, I think it's important to address everybody and everyone should have access and knowledge base to this kind of work. And so that's what a colleague of mine were tr- talking about today, which was developing programs and libraries in some of these communities mm-hmm. that would be able to give them some tools to handle this, especially right now when these lower income minority communities are getting hit us the hardest with this yeah. virus from their cumulative disadvantageous health situations and pre-existing yeah. conditions uh, and close living capacities on each other. So I think it's so important to be able to reach everyone within this work. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. Thank you so much for the work you're doing. Well, no, it's not. I, I, I thank you, but you know, it's like, I thank God that we're living yeah. in a world today that allows us opportunity, mm-hmm. that doesn't institutionalize us, you know, and, and put us in a psych ward. Yep. Um, and you kind of think about it. You look, I look at least like earlier Long Island 
mediums, like the big ones, like let's say, let's say, um, I'll throw his name out there, George Anderson. I was reading one of his books. He's like a very big medium kid when he was having uh, interdimensional mediumistic communication. At the time, his parents wanted to get him checked out by the psychiatrist and put him into a hospital and thought that he was crazy or worse or, or a witch and stuff like that. And today, yeah. it's not the case. I think people today now more than ever are, are looking at intuition as a strength Mm-hmm. are looking at it as just another part of ourselves, much like the physical body, mm-hmm. and are looking at the spirit as a part of the whole person. And so as a psychotherapist, that's what I try to do within the field that I'm in, where I don't just look at the stigma or, or the pathology. I look at the holistic mm-hmm. whole person, and, and I try to get them to recognize everything as connected, as mm-hmm. a part of this golden loop and thread. Mm-hmm. So, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. But that's a lot of therapists are now stepping out of their out of that box mm-hmm. more and they're recognizing that, that clients many times are deprived of this sacred silence or or of nourishing that inner part of themselves. But the world is changing. I mean I'm looking on today, I don't know if you see it, but on television they have a daily calm commercial. Daily calm is kind of like peaceful meditation music. Oh, okay. And I'm noticing that when I'm watching like CNN and these news stations. That's beautiful. It's like, it's a little bit of undoing from watching news, I guess. I think you're better off at time. But I think it's great that they're integrating that and they're recognizing the value of that. And I'm also, yeah. you know, athletes like LeBron James endorsing mindfulness, endorsing the daily yeah. calm. And these big macho athletes as, as really taking that as, as, as a pivotal element of their success within their practice. So, well, yeah. it's... I, I know if I don't meditate every day, I'm I'm cranky. <laughs> I'm just flat out cranky. And it's like, okay, so what do I need to do to get to a place of of that deeper harmony and connection? And it's yeah. it's not negotiable. If I don't breathe, I'm suffocated. If I don't drink water, I'm dehydrated. Right. Not to get graphic, but yeah. So meditation is the language of our soul. It is the nourishment of our soul. Mm-hmm. It is connecting between the two worlds of the material and the spiritual and finding a way to be a bridge between those worlds. Mm-hmm. So I think it's so, it's so needed. And I think if we had that, there's a lot more of a tolerant, flexible community. But I think so many people are filled with such emotion. They don't, they don't have any time to really have that space. Right. They probably have a little more time than they used to since there's no... Well, right now, what I'm saying, not, not time, but, but um, when our cup is very full, we're mm-hmm. filled with anxiety, we're filled with anger, yeah. we're filled with jealousy or competition. We have very little tolerance for you know, empathizing. With right. enough, you know, that leads right. to continual patterns ingrained in our personality. Mm-hmm. And so I think meditation could really retrain, reprogram us to be what we are, which is unified collective empathetic caring beings mm-hmm. in our core so indeed yeah <sighs> mm. i'm just gonna sit with that for a minute because it feels so beautiful <laughs> mm. now we have been talking for almost an hour which is the bandwidth level of my listeners so i'm going to ask you one more question oh sure yeah i, I i'm sorry about talking so much i'm from new york so sometimes you have to just I'm from it's Connecticut, funny. dear. Don't worry about it. I'm sorry? <laughs> so I'm from Connecticut, dear. Don't worry about it. Oh, yeah. You know, tri-state area. So we speak the same language. Talk a mile a minute and stuff like that. But so the question is, how can people find you? 
Yeah, right now I'm in the process of um, redesigning my website. I do have a website at, at jacobalcooper.com. So if you want to, let's say, book a past life regression appointment or individual psychotherapy based on state jurisdictional laws, you could work that out or hypnosis or upcoming events. But I'm also on Facebook. I have a professional page at Jacob Cooper LCSW. And I'm also on Instagram at Jacob Cooper LCSW. So those are my three major ones. And I know Sharon was on me for such a long time to get on Instagram. Uh, I might be young, you know, but <laughs> I, I'm old school and all these like, I can't even name all these kind of things. It's like a new app that people's on every day. And it's like, mm -hmm. what, 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 you know, it's like. <laughs> uh, Somebody so, mentioned TikTok and I was like, what? TikTok? I, I do yeah. audio. I don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, TikTok too. I don't know. You have an OI mix. <laughs> Like it's like a new thing every day, but um, I, I'm liking that people are using these platforms, mm. you know, like yourself for for these messages. And being Jewish, there was a there was a famous rabbi named he was called the Lubavitch Rebbe. He was very holy. Lubavitch is like a movement in Judaism, and so he would say the internet is much like the you know the human potential. It has such a and this is the 1990s before the internet got big and he said it has such a big responsibility where it could unify yeah. us or it could really be destructive. It is a weapon, it is a powerful weapon. Yeah. And so I think right now that's what we're seeing is all these social media platforms could be so healing and so connective or mm -hmm. that could be so tense. Right. But my drive is if it doesn't unify me, if it doesn't elevate me, if it doesn't evolve, try not to spend too much time on that. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it's just not worth it. Right. Well, Jake, thank you so very much for your time and your beautiful wisdom today. I'm so grateful to you. It was my pleasure. And uh, keep up the great work and let's stay in touch. And thank you. Thank you to your listeners for tuning in uh, to, our, to this program tonight. I hope to give you some insight and inspiration to these very trying, challenging times. Thank you. The action item of the week is, you've got it, meditation. However, this time I want you to try to tune in to the concept of judgment. Where do you find yourself judging yourself? Recognize that this is your ego. It is not who you truly are. So as the thoughts of judgment come in, write them down and then sit with them and realize that you are not those things that you're judging. So love them and release them with ease and grace. That's it for the week. Until next time, I bid you the highest peace, love, and prosperity. Namaste. Can you help me redefine Truth and preservation of our soul shine I can feel it yours and mine Close your eyes and witness it inside In your bones, you will know Trust and let go and Let it
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.